Well, it's three days before Christmas, and this will be the last podcast before the new year. As to be honest, I have a prolonged appointment with a bottle of sherry and way, way too many sausage rolls. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. So how are you all doing as we rattle our way into the Christmas of 2021? Uh, life here, a little bit weird, uh, to be honest. <laughs> not sure whether we're locked in or not locked in. We're all vaccinated and then vaccinated again. But it has been a reasonably good year, I have to be honest, ignoring the obvious elephant in the room of uh, a pandemic. Um, but actually, we've had an absolute ball this year, and we've just been finishing off over the past couple of weeks uh, with all sorts of really, really interesting things. Uh, one of my favourite gigs of the year, big shout to the Royal Institution of Great Britain, the RIGB, where uh, historically for the past decade or so, I have photographed the stills behind the recording of their world-famous Christmas lectures. They'll go out on uh, the BBC, BBC Channel 4, uh, on the 28th of December. And this year, the topic is all about the changes in science thanks to COVID. A pertinent uh, topic, <laughs> to put it mildly. And Jonathan Van Tam, who is the Deputy Medical Chief Officer for England, uh, is the scientist presenting them. Uh, along with many guests and some fascinating topics. Uh, it was an interesting exercise, both in terms of the subject matter. It was lovely, so lovely to be in a room full of grown-ups. And by that, I mean scientists, people who study this stuff real, understand what the models are actually showing them, understand uh, the science behind all of it, and are willing to talk about it in non-politicised terms. Just beautiful to watch interesting fascinating engaging uh it's actually they're meant for kids really I means they're the sort of lectures i used to watch those lectures with my dad when i was young and it's they're there to help enthuse children but frankly this year everybody should watch them uh, an entire studio 200 children and their uh guardians i suppose all masked up. Uh, everyone had to be tested. Being inside the theatre was probably the safest place in London, given the testing and uh, cleanliness that we had to all go through. Getting on a train, a little bit less so, uh, but uh, it was just an awesome week. The pictures are just wonderful uh, for me anyway. It's just a real excuse to sit and be surrounded by scientists and their science and just soak it all up. So like I said, 20th of December, it'll be on BBC4. And then after that, it all goes up onto the Royal Institution's website and onto their YouTube cha uh, channel. So uh, you can watch them from anywhere in the world uh, a bit later in the year. Uh, just a moment, finishing up shoots. And there's not too much going on this week. I've just done an amazing family shoot. 25 people from one family. That's one hell of a Christmas dinner. Uh, the weather was utterly freezing, though. Uh, and 25 people. I don't have a studio I can get 25 people into. So we headed off down to the green in the village. But by the time we got back, uh, I think some of the kids had gone hypothermic. 
the trouble with having family who've uh, visiting over from Australia is they're used to it being a little bit warmer. So uh, <laughs> thank you to all of those guys for putting up with the cold. Not that there was much I could do about that, uh, but what a lovely way to end the year. And then this afternoon, uh, an actor's headshot, actor's head shoot, headshot, shoot, headshots. A shoot of headshots, shots of headshots. I've, you know what I'm saying. Uh, looking forward to that because they're always good fun. Uh, orders being picked up constantly, which is lovely for us because we get to see many of the clients who've been with us through the year as they come uh, swing by the studio and pick up uh, things they've ordered for Christmas or just things because we're finally getting all of the last orders uh, through. Uh, quick side note, please do support two of the magazines I write for. That's Professional Photo and N Photo Magazine. They're available to order online. You can just Google Professional Photo uh, and or N Photo Magazine. N Photo is the unofficial Nikon magazine. So it's, I don't know how much is backed by Nikon. Uh, it's a big old publication um, all about and for uh, Nikon users. Uh, the last wedding album, I mean, I'm not kidding here, that arrived about 10 minutes ago. Uh, a huge album that's come in from Graphy Studio. Absolutely stunning. Michelle has just very carefully, very gingerly uh, checked her way through it because there's no way we could get any faults changed in time for uh, Christmas. And I think the client is going to swing by tonight uh, on their way back out of London to pick it up. I mean, that is as close as I would like to get to a just-in-time delivery model. Uh, not helped by the fact the courier wouldn't tell us what time they were dropping off. It just said sometime today. And that can be any, we've learned over the years, that can be any time from about sort of eight o'clock in the morning when the studio's not open to sort of nine o'clock at night uh, where they're ringing my mobile to see if they can drop it off at home. And that is it. That will be the year that uh, we roll that sorry we wrap up and we get ourselves ready up and running for 2022 what a year it's been one that we will definitely remember but not necessarily one that i would like to remember i want to remember all of the clients the shoots the beautiful people the laughter and the fun that we've had in the studio and i think i'd quite like to forget some of the uh, politics and the news and a pandemic that has made running a small business like ours, frankly, a little bit of a challenge. But we've survived it. Uh, we fight on into uh, 2022. In fact, at the end of this year, all things considered, we've had an amazing year with wonderful, wonderful clients who've made it actually a real joy to work in this business. So anyway, on to uh, the interview. Now, firstly, I do have to come clean this interview is very, very heavily edited. Did I take out the ums? Yep. Did I take out the coughs? Yep. Did I take out unnecessary gaps? Well, yes, I did. But actually, none of that is the majority of what I edited. Mostly, I removed me. <laughs> There's a huge section in this interview. The thing is, I get to interview the nicest people, and Becky and Con from Greys of Westminster are just that. Um, and the, one of the reasons I wanted to interview them is because Greys offer a truly personal service if you happen to be a Nikon photographer. There are lots of lessons in this for all of us who offer services uh, to clients, which almost by definition is every photographer, because they know how to engage you, they know how to... Uh, support you they know how to be interested genuinely interested in you and the downside of that is they asked me a question or two which ended up with me chatting away about the Z7 II uh, 
again. <laughs> and so uh, having played it back, it just seemed like I was going over an awful lot of old ground. Uh, and if you want to hear about the Z7 II, rather than me putting in this episode, go back to episode 113, where I spend a very happy 45 minutes driving home from a wedding talking all about it. So uh, for this one, I took all of that back out because it didn't add much, except for one tiny thing. Uh, they were asking me the things uh, I would love to see in a camera. Uh, and the one that uh, actually is, a re- is, is for me something, that if anyone's listening, that can make this influence, I'd love to have haptics on a camera so that uh, when I've got it set to silent mode, so I've turned out all of the, turned off all of the beeps. Of course, the Z9 doesn't have a shutter, so that's no longer a conversation. But even on the Z7, where there is still the physical shutter, turn off everything. I'd still like something that just goes on my hands when it's in focus, so I can turn the beep off, but still hear or feel that the camera has locked on, and that would be priceless. And that was the only thing I added. Uh, to the conversation about the Z7 that I didn't think about. I, had, I didn't think about it until the other week and didn't think about it until episode 113. Uh, so if anyone is listening who has influence over camera design, uh, please could they add a haptics like you have on a phone so that when the camera locks onto something, it just goes in your hands. Uh, so I can feel it, but nobody else can hear it. Uh, and I know it's locked on. So uh, I took all of that out. Now, my guests, as I have said, are Becky and Con from Greys of Westminster, this incredible shop that is uh, a bit of a legend, really. It was an institution in the Nikon world, a very small shop with a rather large reputation, and it's a well-earned one at that. Everything they touch is uh, about Nikon, for Nikon, around Nikon. So if you're a Canon shooter or a Fuji shooter, I guess <laughs> I guess you have the option uh, to uh, skip this particular episode, or you could listen to it and see how lucky we as Nikon users are to have them. And I asked them onto the podcast simply because they always seem so nice when I've dealt with them. Uh, I've ordered a fair amount of kit from them. I mean, I, I guess I have to be honest, I've ordered from other places too. Uh, but Nikon always offer, and or sorry, Grays always offer this incredible service. Uh, it has a really lovely personality about the shop, the people in it, and the service that they provide. So uh, during the process of ordering the Z9, uh, I asked Becky if she fancied being on the podcast, and here we are. And so I started by asking them about the shop. Well, we are celebrating our 36th anniversary as a an exclusively Nikon dealer. We're located in the heart of Pimlico, which is sort of near Buckingham Palace. <laughs> as they call it, the Westminster District. Yeah, exactly. People quite often go to Westminster Station and then call us and say, how far are you from Big Ben? Um, about half an hour. <laughs> it's quite a long way. It is the poshest photography shop I've ever been in. But yeah, the Porsches are on assumption because some people say, oh, I have to wear suit to come here. But actually, no, everyone is welcome. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. Here we go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but obviously the company was founded by Gray Levitt, name on the door, and uh, he's still very much involved in the day-to-day activities of the shop. But Constantine and I have been here for 13 years now. Indeed, yeah. What did you do? Join it straight out of school? <laughs> 
<laughs> almost. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I finished the college and uh, yeah, here I am. Yeah, I did a few few odd bits beforehand, but then yes, this was, this was my vocation. <laughs> what are your roles? Well, I'm the general manager, so I generally manage things. <laughs> Clues in the title. Yeah. Day to day. I'm a technical advisor, so um, back in the day... I used to run repairs, do all the tech support, and now we are shifting more into social media side of things. Uh, so I have to ask, what have the past couple of years been like for you guys? It's been very interesting. I'd say a learning experience. It hasn't been, I think, as perhaps world-shaking as it has mm. been for some people because obviously we're a retail store. We were closed during heavy lockdown period but we were still open for mail order uh cameras are an essential commodity <laughs> of course and more and more people were taking up photography because there wasn't a huge amount else they could do so uh when it got very very quiet i started to do the live streams and the rest is history really <laughs> and how uh, is it I mean, what's happening right now? Is it picking back up? Oh, Are you for seeing? Because sure. I guess you talk to more photographers than even I do. We speak to, yeah. I mean, we definitely speak to photographers every single day. The Z9 has been like nothing else. But that, even that aside, uh, things have definitely picked up, I would say. Yeah. I mean, people still taking photographs. They need equipment. And uh, the new releases, I guess, put a lot of people into a position where they say it's time to upgrade. Yeah, that, I was, I was, I've got notes written down here as to what we were going to talk about. And the Z9 was way down mm -hmm. the list. Um, but given you've brought it up, what have the orders been like for the, the camera? Uh, more than we've ever experienced before in terms of a release. I mean, we were here through the D3 and the D850, which was the next sort of yeah. big one, I would say. The D850 was colossal Indeed. for us. Was it? And the Z9 has topped even that. So that's the biggest launch for us. Wow! Because I remember getting the D3. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I was a Pentax shooter and then had it nicked, sadly. But if you go D100, <laughs> D2X, D2XS, and then the D3. Yeah. And the D3 was the first time it felt like I got back to where I was with my Pentax, if that makes sense. Because it was a full-frame sensor, wasn't it? It had a really beautiful rendering on... Even the noise looked quite... Compared mm. to the D2 and the D2... Or the D2X and the D2XS, which had a very gritty noise pattern. And the D3 was the first time I got excited, properly excited about digital. And then sort of we've been trundling along. The D5 actually was an exceptional camera. Uh, I ended up with the Z7 because the D6 was a very expensive yeah. sideways move. It wasn't really, didn't offer anything greater than the D5. And I tell you what, I'm like a kid in a sweet shop mm. about the Z9. I've never been this excited about a camera. Well, from the kind of brief tests that we've been able to do, we were loaned a Z9 for a weekend and we were able to kind of take it out and... Did you lick it and not hand it back in these COVID times? <laughs> you can't have it. I let my dog lick it. We weren't even allowed to do that. No, it was very, um, it was very limited. And also we had to kind of scramble our schedules a little bit because obviously we've got families and lives outside of... Our families didn't see us this weekend. No, exactly. But then that video with our test results just went on YouTube. It's very interesting. I mean, some people said, okay, but it doesn't show us what 
you know, what a professional is going to do with it. Because obviously we didn't have an Olympic event to film or, um, you know, a safari or anything like that. But we used it in situations that we would probably use. As yeah, we right? had to improvise, isn't it? Completely. Uh, and it was fascinating, really, how quickly it acquires things. And the algorithm is a lot more generous, I would say. The, the algorithm that is using eye face and also animal eye face detection. Yeah. I think the, the important thing was how different it was from Z6 and Z7 cameras, how fast it was. And just the whole, first of all, you, you don't have a blackout screen. So when you're shooting, you literally don't have any blackout. And then the autofocus system is so fast that your, squ your little point, the square is moving so incredibly fast that it's just, it makes you think that, well, I'll keep my earphone button in continuous uh, tracking mode uh, pressed all the time and I'll just press that release button when I'm ready to take a shot. And then 10,000 shots later. <laughs> exactly. That, that was the main issue. Back, back to the days of overshooting. Yeah. But at least, because I, I don't, I'm a portrait photographer, but I work with the hearing dogs every week. And the Z7 II definitely struggles with acquiring a fast-moving small animal. Mm -hmm. I have two questions to ask you, actually. Uh, yeah. First one, what made you switch to Z7 camera, so from DSLRs? So that's number one. And that's also based on, as you say, maybe things weren't ready at the time. But also, as a professional photographer, how did you find Z7? Was it good enough for commercial work? So those two questions, yeah. If you oh, Okay, all right, two, two good questions. Suddenly, the podcaster is being podcasted. Uh, First question, why? Okay, it was a series of I can they're unfortunate events that led me there. Uh, as a wedding photographer, I have two of every lens, two cameras. So that should anything fail, I've got mm. cover. I've got two 17 to 35s, which I bought from you way back. So we got two, these are 17 to 35 2.8s. Uh, one, the aperture is stuck for about the eighth time I've had it repaired. Uh, the other one, the uh, USM motors have finally gone. I've got two 70 to 200s, one of which is focus pulling. And I know that because I've checked the calibration on it and I can't quite get it to calibrate. Uh, and the other is the motors have gone. So I've got two sets with the USM motors have gone. These are VR2s or the two 70 200s of VR2s. Nice lenses, but old yeah. lenses. So I looked at how much I'm going to lay out to replace two of them, repair two of them. And I looked at the price of the D6, which looked like a D5 with a number six tax on the end. I know there's I know there's some bits and pieces inside, but it felt more like a D5S than a D6. And it was 6.3, I think, when I looked. That's a lot of money to go sideways as a business, not just as a, you know, outlay. And mirrorless is coming. If Nikon hadn't changed to the Z mount... I would have stayed and bought the D6 because I'd have bought new lenses, but then I'd have been fine because I'd have had lenses that were going to last me a few years. Because I saw that Nikon, rightly, I think, I think it's a genius move, you know, a four lug, four lug lock on mm -hmm. the ring, a big old throat on those lenses. I mean, it's just huge. I mean, the stuff that's coming down when they eventually start to design for that is going to be amazing. And so there was no point in me buying legacy lenses, a sideways move camera, when I know what's yeah. coming. Now, we were lucky in that I bought it at a time, little did I know, that we're going to spend a lot of the year locked in anyway. 
So actually, I've got away with it. I waited until there were two memory cards in, in the Z7 because no professional photographer should be using a single memory card solution ever. And I say that as a guy that used to work in IT. <laughs> that was my job, was protecting people against failure. So that was, in the end, the economics and the future because it's, it's coming, right? There's no doubt about it. I'm not a Luddite. I'm not like, oh, I don't like mirrorless. No, I cannot wait for mirrorless. Mirrorless is genius. There's so many good things about it. The silent modes now are brilliant. There's no reason to stay with the old SLR, in my opinion. The problem was there wasn't anything else for me to buy from Nikon, and I didn't want to move away from Nikon. I love it. It fits my hands, and every day, every day, I want to take a picture with it, and I've done that for the past 20 years. So it hasn't, that's that's why we went to the Z7 II and not to the D6. It was a series of events. Had the lenses not failed, I think, and had they not changed the throat design on the, on the lenses, I probably would have stayed. Uh, is it good enough for professional? Uh, more than anything, I love the sensor. I love the imagery of it. Um, you know, it, it just produces... Now I've got it calibrated. Uh, Lightroom isn't particularly kind. You have to kind of get the right profile. And I've spent a while trying to get the colors to look how I wanted them. Surprisingly, I thought it'd just be exactly the same as the D5, and it isn't. Again, you know, Becky's laughing. I can see her on the screen. Yeah, all right. I'm a <laughs> it's muffin, a learning but, curve. Um, <laughs> you need to be a bit more forgiving. You know, you, well, you know, it just the, the, the sensor that you need to have the right profiles and things on it for it to bring out. But it's incredibly tolerant. It very rarely blows out highlights. Yeah. There's always data in there somewhere. I, I really like the thing. I really, really like the thing. And the face detection is actually pretty good as long as it's got enough light yes. and it's not a black dog. <laughs> well, that improves with the Z9. <laughs> I can guarantee yeah. that. <laughs> You've learned to love it. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Becky, what's your favourite camera and lens? Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Z9. That's a really tough question. Well, all right. Yeah, no, can't see the uh, Z9. I mean, film or digital or literally out of everything? I don't know if... Whatever makes you smile, I suppose. I love using my F6. I I, I love that camera. I also nice. really love using my FM3A. So I th and they have slightly different purposes. Yeah. Uh, the FM3A has kind of become yeah. my almost my travel camera because it's small and light enough. I stick a 28 mil on there, and uh, and it's small enough that yeah. I can carry it around. The F6 is a bit chunkier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody gave me an f5 yeah oh well the f5 is lovely it's a brick because obviously it has that huge battery pack on the bottom but it was yeah. groundbreaking i gave it to my nephew <laughs> he was exploring film so I, I handed it on for his birthday very very nice camera to to have as a hand-me-down yeah no it is what's your favorite lens uh, do you have a lens that's your you said 28 on the fm28 for travel yes but it's not my favorite lens my favorite lens is the 105 2.5 which I have the pre-AI version, wow. which is converted, is a... but uh, it's the Steve right. McCurry lens. It's the one that's been made very famous over the years, but it's superb. Any iteration of it is amazing. I feel a little bit outclassed because although I'm a Nikon fan, I'm not in a Nikon aficionado. Well, And I feel like the pair of you are going to run rings around me on numbers and models. And We have been doing it I for a long time. I love what I have, but I don't know what I haven't got. <laughs> well, there's always time to start. <laughs> well, yes, I do occasionally. If, in, if I'm having a cup of tea, I pour through your secondhand lists. <laughs> just to see what's in yes <laughs> it's a good little bit of uh, cup of tea browsing there over. it is exactly like Ollivander's one shop when you walk in there's just there's just gold so. and black boxes everywhere and cabinets with some rare stuff and cabinets with some new stuff and yeah and gold cameras as well not just gold boxes oh yeah no, I've seen, I have <laughs> seen a few of those uh, what about you Constantine yeah. what's your and what do you both shoot I don't know what you like to shoot in general um, 
Well, it really depends. I mean, I'm more of a portrait guy. Um, and But at the same time, let's say from commercial work, I'll do anything thrown at me. So I can do events. I can do some, let's say, you know, interior shots when, you know, the time was for lots of Airbnb listings and all that. So uh, currently uh, I have three cameras in rotation. They're all film cameras. Um, I have F100 with 28 mil 2.8 on it. Um, I've got Nikon 35 um, L35AF point-and-shoot camera, which I recently bought on eBay. You can't get them anywhere else, apparently. So I'm shooting that one. That's got a really nice 35 2.8 lens on it. But I also have my Mia 7, which I acquired recently, and it's just my kind of coming back to medium format. I used to shoot a lot of RZ67 back in the day. But for commercial work or just for hobby work? At the moment for hobby work. So I think uh, I'm planning to do some projects on film. The, obviously, the main problem with that is the cost of it. So it's a lot cheaper to do it on digital uh, compared to film. So a lot of those projects that I want to do, they, they will be more of a personal project. So I will invest in them myself. So for my right. personal work, more than anything else. But any commercial work, I would shoot on D850 currently. It's just, it's my bread and butter camera. I don't really use it for personal stuff. It's just there. So if commercial work comes in, I have a kind of, you know, trusty equipment that I can use. And obviously I've got, set, set, um, you know, a set of lenses like 1424, 2470, 7200. I will slowly start to upgrade to Z system when the time comes. And I'm hoping for Z8 eventually to appear. And that would be the camera for me. What do you think the Z8 will bring? Well, for me as a J850 user, I need resolution. I am the person who will eat the resolution for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, really. Yeah. So you give me a 200-megapixel camera, I'll take it. So, you know, <laughs> not a problem. Uh, the, the speed is not an issue for me. Um, I really would love at some point to shoot digital medium format, but I'm not yeah. talking Fuji and Hasselblad medium format. I'm talking large sensors. Yeah. So if we end up with a 6x6 sensor or 6x7, which is obviously currently not the case, but yeah. if that will happen in the future, I will go in there. Obviously, it will depend on price. But currently, I would say, yeah, you give me something like 80 to 100 megapixel on a full frame sensor. I don't need 20 frames per second. I don't need super low light. Give me the same AF system as that nine and remove the grip. So keep the optional grip when you have to, but right. make it about yeah. J50 size. Z7 is, for me personally, is a bit small for professional use. Yes. Um, yeah. I would have a grip attached to it if I have to. So having a mirrorless camera of D850 size would be really nice. So if yeah. something like this comes out, that's definitely going to be the case, but also price point as well. It will be cheaper than Z9 price, which is, well, it is cheaper than D6. It's still quite a lot of money for a lot of people. I think it is, but it's it was interesting to see the pricing strategy on that. And yeah, I agree. what I'm hearing from all the retail shops around the world is correct, it was a strategy that's worked because... Yeah, Essentially, sure. the entire it's world is selling a aggressive. camera that isn't in stock yet. <laughs> At yeah, absolutely. Five thousand three hundred quid or five four dollars, isn't it? I think it's, it's almost equivalent dollars to pounds. I think in the US to here. Yes, but forgetting the the tax element in the US as well, which they they have. Oh, you know, it's you can't do you can't do a eggs. A like for like, yeah, exactly. But it is very aggressively priced, um, and that's a good thing. I think that's pleasantly surprised a lot of. Uh, Nikon people. Yeah, and it's undercut Sony One as well, which is thousand dollars more than Z9. Yeah, yeah. And the A1 is. Well, I, I just to say, I'm looking forward to the, the Z9. We can't carry on talking about the Z9. We can't. Uh, what was I was going to ask you? Uh, so you, I'd be just curious that you're both photographers. Is, is 
everyone who works in Grace, photographers? No, um, I think we're about 50-50 split. No, possibly. No, about if you include, you know, shipping and admin and stuff like yeah. that, it's about 50-50 yeah, yeah. split. But uh, we've brought a few additional people into the fold whenever <laughs> they start working for us and then sort of it piques their interest and then they will start off with an entry-level camera and, and work their way up from there. Yeah, one of our new colleagues, he just picked up G5300 secondhand as his first DSLR ever. What is it about Nikon that is that magic? I think it is the heritage, to be honest. I think having a brand that you know has been around for over 100 years that has this huge legacy of lenses and also things that they have done for other brands. Some of it's lesser known. There is um, there is a camera... Oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like a Camerapedia podcast where they talk about this really niche history of different brands, but the Nikon brand comes up a lot because there is so much history. They produce lenses for Leica and Canon and binoculars and um, military implements and all kinds of <laughs> things over the years. So I think that that certainly has an appeal to people kind of, who who are aware of photography in general they will have heard the nikon name and will know that there is a whole kind of host of professional photographers behind that brand yeah i mean for a lot of us as well we you know nikon was the first camera and then you have this nostalgia to something that you really enjoyed mm. um i've got my first nikon when i was 20 years old i had my first camera was zenith and then i went to united states and worked for whole summer to save up money to buy my first Nikon camera. It was F100 at the time. And that was a recommendation of my friend who used Nikon cameras before. And he said, yeah, get Nikon is really good. And that's how I got into Nikon system. And obviously I got the camera. I loved it. All my cameras from there were Nikon cameras effectively. So in terms of this, yeah, I think it's also depends what you start with, because this feeling of having equipment that you used 20 years ago, and it still feels the same and it's still very pleasant to use even when we talk about that merely system the z6 and the 7 cameras they didn't just come out with all the button redesign etc and of course there's some quirks of using them but they did feel like nikon cameras so i think that's that's for, for a lot of people is that feel that they actually buying a really good camera that they can feel the same that they don't need to learn that hard to use and obviously people who now will be switching to z9 again we're talking about z9 but people let's say coming from d5 or d6 they would feel in the same boat like they have the same camera but without mirroring it so that's that's the thing it's they don't change things very often and when they change it they take their time to reiterate and make sure that it feels right and i think a lot of companies if you look at other brands a lot of companies change their mounts very frequently change their design even menu system and button layout very very often and they're confused about a lot of people a lot of cameras release their cameras every year and that's people felt like i'm buying a new camera now which is going to be obsolete in six months Nikon doesn't do it. So I think it's, it's this kind of safety net for a lot of people that they know what to expect by buying Nikon product. Yeah, I, I would. Agree. I mean, I totally agree with everything you've just both just said because there is still, like every photographer, we're always asked, can you recommend a camera for someone? You get this question all the time. And of course, you know, people will send you links of things. And the best advice you can ever give anyone is go into a shop, pick up the camera, and the camera that makes you want to take a picture, makes you want to pick it up, feels right in your hands. That's with the fact that most specifications are pretty, unless you unless you are 
photographing wildlife or, I don't know, Olympic hurdlers. You don't need the specialist ends of these cameras. You need a camera that makes you want to take a picture. Um, and I think Nikon, at least ever since I've had one, I, I don't have the old stuff, has made me feel like that. My favourite lens is still a 105 F2DC. I mean, it's a crazy lens, but just... Uh, last time I had it repaired, Fixation wrote back to me and said, um, we don't have any more spares mm. for it. So it's now, it's now in a velvet bag. Mm. Just trying really hard to eke the last of its yeah, life. Yeah, don't drop that um, one. <laughs> you know. Now, I did drop. I dropped one. I've got one in bits on my shelf here. <laughs> uh, I'd let go of the wrong strap. I thought I got nothing in my hand. It was an empty bag and I let go of the camera oh. strap and dumped it nose first. Uh, I dumped a D3 nose oh. first onto the end of a 105. Oh, wow. Breaking both. <laughs> Uh, it was good. A uh, good move. Um, okay, so we get to uh, the bit where I ask you both, uh, I don't know whether you're doing this as a team or separately, everybody who's come on the podcast has nominated a book that is, is it's, not, it's literal as well as a library here, of books that are of intrigue that would be inspirational or a diversion or motivational or just plain interesting to photographers. And I've, I did give you a short heads up <laughs> that this was coming. So uh, what have you picked out? Uh, so, Con, you go first. Okay. Uh, well, <clears throat> from my very recent pickup, uh, uh, for, um, sorry, <clears throat> one, two, three. Uh, from my recent pickups. You know I'm not cutting yeah. that, right? <laughs> That's good. I just had a coffee in my mouth and it's, and it's, it's really decided <laughs> to talk to me in the middle of my sentence. So... <laughs> So anyway, from my recent pickups, uh, it was Annie Labovitz's new book called Wonderland. It's her first book on fashion photography. And obviously, Annie Labovitz is quite a polarizing figure because obviously she she's considered herself as not a you know um, fashion photographer. She's also not exactly a lifestyle photographer or portrait photographer. So she's she's been evolving throughout the years. And Obviously, she's done a lot of for women photography, in my opinion. So, you know, obviously, like one of the first photographs in Vogue, I think it was of was it Vogue of Vanity Fair. I think it was Vanity Fair was pregnant Demi Moore, and it was the first cover featuring yeah, pregnant woman. And like, you know, I went to an event with her last week in Barbican, and she was saying we actually didn't plan to do this. We photographed her in a normal setting in clothes, and that was supposed to be a cover. And then when she started to talk to people and, you know, to her late after the shoot, she said, well, why won't just I take the, you know, your personal portrait while you're pregnant? So, and then she was, I think she was uh, due in a couple of weeks or something like wow. that. And then they decide, they, they push through the, to the editor to say, why won't we publish this? You know, and obviously the, the editor said it's not going to sell. Mm. So what she did for women photography, first of all, but also for people she photographed, um, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about John Lennon and, you know, back in the day. But even now, I think she's a very polarizing field uh, p person. People may like it or not. I personally enjoy her photography. It's obviously, it's not really a capturing the decisive moment in a way. It's, it's a very well staged. But in my opinion, um, you know, in terms of quality of work she puts out currently, she's one of the best currently living photographers. Brilliant. Uh, what about you, Becky? Uh, mine actually, it's quite difficult to decide, but Joe McNally actually has just published a new book and he very kindly uh, gifted the shop a copy. Uh, the hard copies are very difficult to get hold of because they're stuck somewhere on a shipping container. <laughs> stuck in the, the canal. Atlantic Ocean. Oh, um, yeah. But you can you can buy the, the e-book for now and then I think the 
physical copy books are going to be out next year. But it's called Field. It's called The Real Deal, Field Notes from the Life of a Working Photographer. And uh, I've read not even the entirety of it. I've looked through all of it, but I've read a lot of it. And uh, it's just, it's amazing how he tells the story of becoming who he is, really. It, he said yeah. when we spoke to him about it that it's not like a straight line this is where i started this is where i this is where i ended he said it's more like a meandering road <laughs> through his career but he's a fascinating guy and he takes the most amazing images so uh, i'd recommend that one perfect i'll recommend it if we can get hold of it yes, uh, yes. And, and, yeah thank you both for nominating brand new books as normally i go out and buy a second hand copy but i'm guessing i'm going to get my hands on second hand versions of either of those anytime yeah. uh soon um Last question, really. Uh, we're recording this. Well, I'm looking at my dates. 13th of December. It's Monday, the 13th of December. So this is almost certainly the last interview podcast I'll do of the year. 2022 is looming. For each of you, what would you wish for out of 2022, particularly given 2020 and 2021? <laughs> That's a that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> it is a pod. Well, it's not really. Someone asked me the other day, what sort of podcast is this? And it started as a photography podcast, but very quickly it became just a thread of life sure. as a working pro photographer. So you can make it as big or as small as you like. It can be, you know, what you hope for from Nikon, I suppose, or it can be what you hope for in life. It can be a hybrid. I really don't mind, but I'm curious. What is it that? you hope next year brings i definitely would like to be able to travel more freely mm. i think that we've all had we've had to kind of think outside the box a little bit on how to create images over the last couple of years and uh i know i've spoken to a number of people who've said look i've been on the same walk in my same area i've taken the same picture of the same gatepost you know <laughs> for the last two years almost and i'd really like to just be able to venture further afield obviously we ha live in yeah. a beautiful country and we can actually generally speaking get get out and about and see different things but um my family are in the u.s so i'd like to be able right. to get over there and see them yeah i'd like there not to be stock shortages <laughs> well yes <laughs> make a list <laughs> yeah you can't buy cars and you can't buy cameras but apart from that we're doing just fine yeah, yeah. what about you con uh, i absolutely agree with you i think uh like I would like it to go back to normal, but not the normal, what we call it now, but actually what we had before the pandemic. So mm. uh, obviously for professional photographers, there's been a couple of changing years, especially if you're doing social photography, events, weddings. It is difficult because obviously month group gathering is going to cause the problem. And yeah. even let's say doing a lot of Christmas events now, uh, I've noticed, let's say some big events, uh, the recent event I did was supposed to be 2000 people, only 1200 people attended. So it was much smaller event compared to previous years. This is for me, would be most important in terms of Nikon. I think we're going to have a cracking year. So, you know, Z9 is coming. I'm sure there's going to be new cameras. So obviously all that technology is going to trickle down to Z8, Z7's new generation camera. So there, I think we are covered, obviously. As with Nikon, they work on Nikon's time, so it's never exact date, <laughs> so we have to be patient. Yeah. But yeah. otherwise, I think the technology is there. It's just, it shows us what actually that the future is bright and the things that, that are coming are going to be really nice. I agree with you, uh, and I'm as excited as you are. 
I have to be honest. I, when when the Z9 spec dropped, a proper spec, not the leaks, not the speculation, the actual Nikon's spec, just reading it makes my heart sing just as a photographer, but also as a technologist and mm. watching where we're headed. Because you can now see it. We, it was it was not sh- certain for a minute. There's a lot of protests about EVFs and what those are going to bring. Obviously, until we'd solved the rolling shutter problem, mm. uh, that was always going to be a challenge. So I'm more excited for next year than I think I've been about any year coming up in a very, a very long time. Just like you, uh, we work with a cruise company, so I go to get and travel rather i did work with a cruise company so i did get to go and travel uh i don't think that's going to start up anytime soon but uh, mm. uh one last quick question actually while i think about it and it just popped into my head uh any news on sigma supporting the z series not that i use sigma lenses but i know it's a question rolling around well i've spoken to the reps from sigma and they've said it's definitely in progress so they're talking to both nikon and yeah. canon no, they both changed. Both brands haven't yet given them the yeah, and both both brands haven't yet given them the official go ahead. But they're not gonna be reverse engineering anything. The and I've made the argument for them at least with the Nikon reps in the UK to say, look, Leica, Fuji, they've all given over permission to Sigma to to make lenses, and they would have twenty more lenses for the lineup mm. ready to go. So we're definitely encouraging it. Yeah. When it will happen is another matter. I think if if it does happen, it will probably be the latter end of the, of 2022. So on that on that then, uh, what's the 85 1.8? The Nikon. The you Nikon 85 1.8 is stunning. It's a stunning lens. It's really really. It's. I mean, I've compared it with the 1.4. I don't see why Nikon would need a 1.4 Z lens at this point. I think that 85 that's on the roadmap will probably end up being a 1.2. <laughs> but they will need 1.4, 1.2 lens, in my opinion. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, yeah. And that extra little bit of light on the sensor will sharpen the focus up a bit. But yeah. that's the thing, yeah. And the rendering on 1.4 G is beautiful. Uh, while 85 1.8 is great, I still keep my 1.4 G and I will wait for either 1.4 or 1.2 lens to come out. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mine up the Z one eight, uh, the Z eighty five one point eight. Very nice. Just because. Yeah. It also seems it's not as expensive as it could have been. No. It's, it's very reasonable, it's isn't it? Six fifties. Yeah. I think it's actually a bit of a bargain. So, that's next on my uh, shopping list. Listen, both of you. Thank you for your time, your candor, your good humour, and in particular getting it set up, your patience. <laughs> I was watching the two of you on the camera feed, even though I couldn't hear you, and you did it with a remarkably, you're very gentle and serene affair uh had i been doing that <laughs> cables would have been torn out things would have been thrown there would have been arguments uh it doesn't matter there would have been arguments and you did neither of those things uh, you've been very gentle and very smiley and thank you for that um one final 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 question which of course is an opportunity for you to give a shameless plug this is an unpaid podcast for anyone that starts any of the haters want to email in uh, I use the suppliers I like because I like them. I talk to the suppliers I like because I think it'd be interesting to talk to them. And that's exactly what we've done here. Uh, however, there is an opportunity for you to say, why would you go to Greys of Westminster? <laughs> because we're here. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that buying something from Greys is very much an experience, whether you're buying it online or in person or over the phone. You know, we have people, we're not a big company. We don't have hundreds of employees. Uh, we have a very small, tight knit sales team, and uh, we care about the products that we put into people's hands. So whether you're buying, a you know a battery 
or a Z9 or a, an 800mm f5.6, which is, I think, the most expensive thing on our price list. Mm. Uh, you get the same care factor regardless, and you can always come back for, for help if you need it because we, we care about photographers. Yeah, I agree. I think talking to a real person and not some sort of autonomous robot machine, uh, <laughs> it's nice because you can actually talk and you can say your concerns. Like you were talking about Z7, you know, there's a lot of people we're talking to us. It's, it's almost like Grace Smith is a helpline to, you know, photographers. But, uh, yeah. but it's nice to have just to be able to talk to people, to a person who actually does photography, who is not just a salesperson, that actually understand how things work. And carrying just one system, well, one, one brand, it's much easier, let's say, than stocking other brands like Canon, Sony, and then you have to know all of them. We can concentrate on certain things. So we have people who shoot in film, we have people who uh, shoot specifically digital, and being able to talk to them is quite important. You don't get this with a lot of companies nowadays, I'm afraid. No, I, uh, I love both your answers, and I'll add to it a little bit, which is what I love more than anything else, is you're not Nikon. And that's mm. quite subtle, but quite important. You are talking to people who love Nikon. You stock Nikon because that's the love affair. You play with Nikon because mm. that's the cameras you love to play with. But equally, you can have an honest conversation without you actually being inside the company. It's not corporate. It's not controlled. It is just we do this. We talk about it because actually we like it. Uh, and I think that comes yeah. across every time you step side, step inside the door. And I've only actually been inside the shop twice. Uh, everything else has been done on mail order. So I apologize for that. Next time I'll come and batter your door down. Next time I'm allowed in London. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you say <laughs> yes, but hello. you know, you just yeah. like, don't let him near the place. He'll just be talking. That's all he does. <laughs> Close <Yeah>. the doors. <laughs> Listen, if I, if I turn up with some money to spend on a lens, then will you'll talk to me. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's not even a dead cert. I need I need a <laughs> I need a very big lens f five point six. What have you got? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. Five hundred pf. Yeah, yeah. I, there's, there's absolutely no need for me to buy one of those things. So just to wrap up, uh, thank you. I I cannot tell you thank you so much to Becky. No, thank you. And Con. Thank you, Paul from Grace of Westminster for just being lovely. To be honest, and for anyone listening who's thinking about buying something Nikon wide, you might as well start with Grace of Westminster. Uh, you're unlikely to get any to need to go anywhere else, and you will get proper service, old school, traditional, great values, great service, great knowledge, all customer centric, and you can't say much better than that. So thank you to both of them for sparing me the time on what was probably a very busy Monday. Uh, to record this interview. Uh, just to recap the books they mentioned, uh, Con mentioned Annie Leibovitz, a book called Wonderland, uh, and Becky mentioned the Joe McNally book, The Real Deal. So those are the two books. Uh, I will put links into the show notes down below so that you can uh, find them relatively easily, though <laughs> whether you be able to get copies is an entirely different conversation. Uh, we also, or they also alluded to the hands-on test of the Z9 they had for the weekend, uh, that can be found on YouTube if you just search for Greys of Westminster, uh, either one word or put spaces in between Greys, spelt G-R-A-Y, not E-Y, so it's Greys of Westminster on YouTube. You will find all of their videos in particular if you're Z9 uh, excited like I am, then you will find that video there. It's well worth a watch. Uh, it's quite funny watching two people looking decidedly dodgy in what I think is Hyde Park. Uh, with a camera uh, attached to a video monitor. That's good fun. Uh, so thank you again to all of you who listen to the podcast, all of you who email in. I hope your year in the end has been okay. 
Uh, I hope the high points have been true high points and I hope the low points haven't been too low. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, on that note, please do subscribe wherever it is that you receive your podcasts. Please do leave us a review if you get the chance. It would be a really nice Christmas gift for us. It would be very kind of you, but it's hugely appreciated. So have a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful festive season, and here's to a prosperous and positive outlook for the new year, 2022, as it rolls towards us. And until next time, have a sherry, and remember whatever else, be kind to yourself. Take care.